0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact cordellcordell.com, Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the off-the-glass Net, and up-and-under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
1: Hi, this is uh, David Crum here with The Bird Calls, the official podcast of The Bird Rights and SB Nation. I'm here talking with David Shumate, who does play-by-play for Duke University, for both the university and for the IMG Network. Uh, Mr. Schumate, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, there's a lot of interest uh, in a couple of Duke players, not only in this draft, but particularly for New Orleans and the Pelicans. Um, with Zion Williamson the presumptive number one overall pick Um, we wanted to talk to you and get your perspective you've gotten to see Zion and of course R.J. Barrett and the rest of those players up close uh, this season Mm -hmm. first off um, uh, how many uh, in the years that you've been with Duke where would you place uh, Zion among those uh, great Duke players that have come through Oh, gosh. Well, we'd have to get the guy who did the games before me, Bob Harris, on here to really give some
2: context because <laughs> this will just be my third year coming up. So <laughs> right. he, he goes back a little further. But obviously, I mean, you track it and, and it's it's hard for anyone in my mind to, to measure up to, to Grant Hill. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things when, when you look at some of the greats over the years and, and you can break it down statistically, body type or things like that. And you know this was like the ongoing question uh, throughout the season right who do you compare him to and, and what does he look like and and coach schevsky over and over again would say there is no comparison um what was it uh jim Beheim said he was like barkley but but not you know as heavy i think he used some different words but um <laughs> but yeah i think it it's hard to compare him to guys from the past one because of his unique physical size right but the other piece of this too is if you're looking at it purely from a Duke perspective, a guy who was here for a year versus a guy who spent four years on campus, it's kind of unfair to both sides, right, to compare those two. But he is Mm -hmm. a incredibly unique talent um, combined with a unique person in this day and age. And that's one of the cool things about covering the program and being around it and seeing up close and getting to know him over the course of this year is, uh, he's just a different cat in terms of what he can do athletically, physically, but he's also bright, really kind, just like the perfect combination of everything you would want. And as you said, certainly looks like he's going to New Orleans and, and they're going to love him.
1: You know, myself, I'm, I'm an ACC guy. I went to Wake Forest. I was there during the uh, Randolph children's Tim Duncan era, which was probably the second um, talent wise, uh, second greatest era in ACC basketball. Um, and then to look at the, you know, today, like you said, the the differences in style of play, the differences of guys who are only there for one year, whereas at that time, guys, three and four years was the tradition. Um, how difficult does that make it for fans and casual observers, or even people who, who, who watch basketball on a regular basis to judge talent when you look around the college basketball world now? And it the pool is not as deep with great players as maybe it was a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, I think you're just looking at them earlier in their career, right? Um, and mm-hmm. you're
2: making those, from an NBA perspective, you're making uh, a judgment on them. And I think that's one of the reasons the NBA has been somewhat reticent to to, you know, doing away with the rule that would allow kids to go straight Uh, out of high school into the pros is because even if it's just one year, they'd love to get a look at them uh, even against the level of competition that college basketball is now versus their high school competition. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. So it it is tricky to evaluate, but by the same token, it's not like that's unique to Duke, right? Like Kentucky's got guys that are only going to be there for a year. Uh, And anyone who says they don't do the one and done, it's because – they'd love to get them, they just can't recruit them. You know what I mean? So it's like everyone would like to have that caliber of talent. So they are playing to some extent against the, the level of experience that that they're at, because those are the guys that are going on to play in the, the league, certainly in the first um, and second round. So to that extent, I think you can evaluate them. I mean, certainly there's different matchups throughout the course of the year where you can see um, an older player might have a, a better knowledge of schemes and stuff like that. But When you you have guys, and and you touched on a couple of them, uh, like a a Williamson, like a Barrett, like a Cam Reddish that come in, they are so gifted athletically and physically. and They put the work in to do so that they're just at a different level than a lot of the college players. Uh, And to some extent, I think that makes it easy to evaluate them because you know the people they're playing against are extremely gifted themselves. They're just at another level.
1: When you look at Zion, um, you know, you, you said the Charles Barkley comparison there's kind of like three players that I kind of merged together to, to make it work in my head. Charles Barkley being one of them, Rodney Rogers, who was also around 6'7, but, but weighed less, was about 250 pounds rather than 285, but was a very explosive guy could handle the ball on the outside and was physical. And then the other one I could, uh, I put in that group is, is Larry Johnson, another undersized kind of power forward, very explosive, uh, able to, to create around the rim. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, Zion is a unique talent, but I, th- I think that they're, they're absolutely for him. I think the difference is he's going to play not only the four in the NBA, but I think there will be opportunities for him to play the three. Do you think that, um, based on his work ethic and the things that you've seen that he has the skill set to defend and and play out on the perimeter that way? yeah i don't i don't think there's any question and, and you know in the
2: college game for sure he could also handle the basketball i mean how many times did we see him go the length of the floor or have a three-quarter court bounce pass uh, that's just something you don't see guys do uh, at that size and i think that his ability like as you said to, to get on the perimeter and with multiple times we saw him blocking three-point shots dealing with guys that ostensibly would have a, a huge advantage in terms of Uh, speed out on the perimeter and be able to drive by him but his quickness his lateral quickness his ability to recover and, and the length and the wingspan is just something that's very unique to him so I think he can he can play on the floor and that's what makes him such a difficult matchup because when he has the basketball up top you know he had 24 threes on the season but you know about half of those came once he came back from injury uh in the NCAA tournament he he broke out a three-point shot and was able to incorporate that into his game so you got to now respect the perimeter shooting we, we just talked about his ability to pass once he he drives and everyone knows that kind of patented spin move he likes to go to that works for him as well his his versatility offensively but then his ability to defend multiple positions on the floor is what makes him what, what it feels like you know here at Duke uh, Mike Krzyzewski talks a lot about positionless basketball and it feels like the way Uh, the game is going at the pro level as well. You have to have that versatility to be able to to play on multiple spots on the floor. And I think that's one of many reasons people are really excited about him as he goes to the next level.
0: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
1: Obviously, it's easy to identify the things that he does well. I mean, they jump off the, the television screen when you watch him. What are the things that you see that could be his most difficult things to adjust to as a professional? Well, I mean, I think anyone as they go from, from the college game to the program looks,
2: I, I'm going to be interested to see what his mid-range jump shot turns into. We, we saw the, the three-point shot um, evolve late in the season for, for being here at Duke, but because at the college level, so often, he could just physically overpower guys, Um, get inside, body him up, get inside, obviously, a a tremendously adept finisher around the rim. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I think incorporating those mid-range jump shots is going to be fun to watch as he progresses and and gets a little bit older.
1: Uh, That's obviously something that's going to be key to him
2: at the next level.
1: Also, I wonder about his ability. Um, He's going to be facing a lot of 6'10 stretch fours. Uh, His ability to take to get them off of spots, his ability to defend that. We know he's a great leaper, but man on ball defense where he's not able to roam. um, Do you think that that's, you know, you don't see a lot of those in the college game. So you think that that playing against those longer um, guys who can get those shots up higher, uh, will that be something that he uh, has to learn um, or have there been signs that he can do that?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, when you say that, I, I think about the Andre Hunter at Virginia where he uh, obviously the iconic play where he, he blocked the three-point shot in the corner recovering um, from the free throw line. But yeah, the, I, I think that's a, a fair thing to think about. But that's where I think he can use some of his physical strength to dislodge him a little bit to, to try to take that away. I mean, you'd be obviously more qualified to break down some of those specific matchups. But I think mm-hmm. uh, the dangerous thing with him is if you underestimate him at any particular instance. And I think it's one of those things that when you see him on the floor, he doesn't, I mean, he's a big dude, don't get me wrong, but he's not like a giant when he gets out on the floor. It's the combination of the speed and the athleticism with the size that makes him so unique. And that's what I think is going to play into those matchups, because you talked about the, the, the 6'10 advantage, and yeah, he may be 6'7", but you know he's got the size and girth and speed that he can counterbalance that. So it kind of flows both ways. So it will be interesting to see those matchups, but I think he'll have different ways. And he's so smart, and the, the way that he can defend and the way that he can recover—maybe um, non traditional—but he'll he'll find ways around it.
1: A lot has been made about his character, and one of the things that David Griffin stressed when he took the job with the Pelicans was building a team of high-character guys. Um, everybody who's talked about Zion talks about him in glowing terms. You've seen him up close and personal. What type of person? can uh, New Orleans and, and the Pelicans expect to be receiving? Well,
2: I mean, it's cliche to say he's a great dude. He's a, a brilliant guy and all that sort of stuff, but it's true. And, and this is a guy that really values interpersonal relationships. I mean, to, to see him in practice, you know, coach K has been at since so long time going to be going into to his 40th year this upcoming season for him to have kind of the emotional intelligence to know, when it's a good time to, to poke at coach and, and lighten up the mood of practice and, and have those sort of relationships, when it's time to fire up his guys, when it's time to take the game over. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think about a a story where, you know, the team was up playing against Virginia, and they were shooting the ball extremely well from three, and in, in particular, R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. And, and Zion Williamson decided in that game it was going to be his mission to shut down DeAndre Hunter defensively. But to have that presence of mind of saying – here's my team. My team tonight doesn't need my scoring. They need my defense. Um, and to be able to adjust and calibrate from that perspective says a lot to me uh, about the person he is. I don't know if you saw it. It went viral after the season where one of our video uh, coordinator guys uh, is having a child and Zion did their baby reveal for him. Had no obligation. <laughs> the season was over with and just came back to practice and, and dumped the you know, the whatever you want to call it, to to reveal that they are going to have a baby boy. I mean, I, that's the kind of person that he is. He gets to know people. He loves people. He takes care of them. And, and that's the kind of character guy um, that you're going to have when, when you when you get him down in New Orleans. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that that to me, like I said, makes him a little bit different, a little bit unique because he is, you know, this thing that, in some respects, sucks all of the oxygen out of the room in terms of fan attention that everyone's looking for. But he is the first guy to, to want to shine that spotlight on whether it be RJ Barrett or even a walk on here last year. And, and Mike Buckmeyer, who kind of became a sidekick in, in post-game locker room interviews, um, because he, he's the ultimate team guy that wants to incorporate everybody. And it's about the team. And it's not a criticism of anybody else, but that's the kind of guy you're looking at.
1: A lot has been made about his relationship with R.J. Barrett. Um, R.J. is now a potential uh, target for the Pelicans as well as they negotiate with the New York Knicks at that three spot. Of course, R.J. could go two to Memphis. But if he were to end up in New Orleans, he he made some statements on the jump yesterday about that he would welcome that opportunity. Um, But there are some who have talked about that maybe R.J. wants to get out of the shadow of Zion Williamson. Is there anything to indicate that that would be an issue if they were playing together in the pros? Or are these guys genuinely um, able to do that on the next level? Well, I
2: can just speak to my experience this year, um, hanging out with them and and being around the team. I travel with the team, uh, the team playing, the the team meals and stuff like that. And uh,
0: it's genuine.
2: They are easily the two tightest. They were their best friends on the team this year. There's no question about that they were more happy for each other when things went well um, than they were for the other one. And RJ Barrett is, you know, this stone cold assassin when he goes to the rim, he gets a a certain look in his eye. Um, I I think there would be no problems with him being able to handle that. And I think it would be interesting to see those two kind of grow together as they came down to new Orleans. So anyone to me talking about getting out of the shadows Zion and stuff, I just don't see it because they were so close uh, the year they spent here in Durham
1: it seemed to me that a lot of what impacted Duke and this season and and what made it difficult for RJ and particularly for Cam Reddish, who I was very high on um, at the beginning of the season. And I still haven't lost my faith in him, but I think not having uh, a traditional ball handler, a solid ball handler who could make shots affected RJ more than anybody else because of that burden was put on him. Are the turnovers that you saw at Duke this year, um, does that look like a correctable problem just based on, where he's able to play in the pros that he won't be asked maybe to distribute the ball in the same way, or is that, uh, you know, the weaker part of his game? Yeah. I mean, he,
2: he can definitely play the point, And I, I think you're touching on when Trey Jones had to deal with some injuries and, and RJ mm-hmm. Barrett had to take on some of that burden um, in terms of doing running ball handling. And I think, you know, you, you can pick apart anybody's game that you want to, he, he's an aggressive player when he goes to the rim, um, they're trying to make passes. And these are also guys, you know, they were transcendent, but they'd only played together for a year. So I think that's also right. a familiarity when you're working with different guys and you get into a system and you get comfortable with that. But I I just never looked at, at R.J. Barrett and said, wow, here's a guy who has, uh, you know, problems with turning over the basketball. That wasn't really uh, something that, that jumped out to me and said, you know, this is going to be a long-term concern for him. I mean, other people may have their opinions about that, but um, – you know, it was also part of the the stylistic way that Duke liked to play at times, as they were working through different offensive setups. I don't want to get, you know, too much in the minutia of that. Right. They were kind of juggling things through the second half of the season because of Zion's injuries, because of Trey Jones' injury, and then Cam had to deal with a few things. But uh, no, from my perspective, I don't I don't think the turnovers are a huge concern, um, and I think that that's something that will be easily correctable as they get into a system that that he's comfortable in. I think
1: the other concern that folks have um, is his the volume shooting um, that he, he had to take so many shots again, as somebody who's been watching basketball for a long time, I think a lot of that was a result of the offense and not his decision making. I think he felt it was a necessity because there was such a great lack of outside shooting in general with the blue devils this season. I don't particularly see him as a guy who wants to put up 20 to 25 shots a game. Um, I think he can be more efficient on the next level. Uh, would you would had, uh, make that same evaluation? Would you see that from what you saw in practices or in games? Yeah, I mean, I think
2: one like, and you kind of touched on this. That was kind of what Duke wanted their offense to be, right? It was R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson doing work, and you know Trey Jones was a defensive specialist and and a great ball handler who could score if needed but those two were definitely the primary scorers and obviously the shooting uh with cam reddish to to help complement that so some of that was a product of what duke needed they needed rj um to take those shots and because barrett and williamson were were so prolific in terms of getting into the pain and some of the zone defenses that duke saw throughout the year it kind of warranted having to take um, maybe more shots from the perimeter than, than rj barrett would take at the next level But I don't think he's a guy who needs those sort of shots. To your point, I think Duke needed him uh, to take those type of shots. And I think that was something that, you know, he's going to do what he feels like the team needs him to do to win. And that's the best way that that I can describe him is he's the ultimate competitor. He's the guy who needs to win. And he's not going to be worried about any sort of criticism of, oh, you took too many shots. If he felt like that's what the team needed to do uh, for him to win, then that's great. And if the team needed him to take 10 shots for him to win, um, that's what he's going to do. But, you know, it's hard to criticize anybody that led their league in scoring um, and won a player of the year award. So, I mean, I think, uh, yes, he took a lot of shots here at Duke, but uh, to some respect, that's exactly what Duke needed.
1: I guess my last question for you would be, um, I don't know how much you've gotten to see the Pelicans play over the last two seasons, but, uh, you know, obviously they play a very up-tempo system under Alvin Gentry Uh, A lot of what you talked about in positionless basketball guys who can do multiple things is the goal. Uh, I think Zion fits in perfectly with that, with that tempo and that pace. I think uh, RJ too would get a lot more baskets in transition or um, when there's mismatches, uh, you know, because of switches Uh, um, offensively, do you think that kind of system uh, really benefits the two of them uh, as far as being able to get up and down the floor and get those easy transition buckets, um, not really having to call a lot of set plays for either one of them? Do you think that um, is something that will help benefit them in the early run?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no question. that That is the style of play that suits their game the most, and that, that's the style of play that when, when Duke was able to, they wanted to get out of play. We've, we've talked about the size design, Williamson, R.J. Barrett at, at six seven, a little over 200 is strong uh, kind of sneaky strong in the way that he can finish around the rim so two incredibly adept drivers and you talked about the shooting of R.J. Barrett this was just kind of my opinion I thought he was a much better shooter when there wasn't really time to set and think about it if that makes sense When when you're in transition and you're just kind of going in the flow of the offense and pulling up he was a lethal shooter in, in those type of sets so I think that style of play um, certainly caters to, to what they can do. And the fact that both of them are very comfortable handling the basketball and running the break and distributing um, as needed and can draw so much attention. It, it's the perfect system for him because that's ideally what, what Duke was doing offensively here when they were able to.
1: I just thought of one more and forgive me, but
2: um, no, no, you're good. You
1: know, the projections for Zion are all over the place. Um, There's some people who say he's the most NBA ready player um, since tim duncan um what do you think would be you know i I, i'm a person about reasonable expectations i I, I can't see him coming (laughs) in next year and doing you know 28 points 14 boards five assists and coming in that way i think there are things he has to learn at 19 like most 19 year olds i think that reasonable expectations in my mind are something closer to maybe 15 to 17 points seven boards a couple of assists a block or two um how big of an adjustment do you do you think that gap is for Zion? Do you think he can come in and do, dominate out of the gate? Or is it just, you know, there, it, it will come along, and when it does, it'll be something worth watching? Hey, I mean, one,
2: like you you forget sometimes these guys are kids, right, because they're so basically right. dominating. I, I think he certainly has the skill set to, to be an all-star, to be an MVP-type candidate as he evolves into his career. And I think he's got, a, you know, an incredible ability to score and can go against anybody to me will be interesting. And and you've been around the program Paul, a lot closer uh, than I have will be, you know, he's going to be playing against, you know, men now when when you get into the league and they've been hearing all of the attention that he gets. Um, So maybe the defense and the attention that he faces isn't what others would face, if you know what I mean. And in terms of like how guys are going to say, you know, this is my moment to show what I'm going to do against Zion Williamson. I think he'll rise to that challenge. But I think, Um, it'll be interesting to see where his numbers land if you look at it just purely statistically. But I think there will be a growth process, as there would for anybody. But I think his will be accelerated because I watched these guys over the course of the year, and and not to make it too much about Duke, but you could see them growing and learning each individual game and learning as the season went along to where, as I said earlier in the year, they were just physically dominating people when they blasted Kentucky and, and the like. They could just do whatever they wanted to, and then teams figured out how to pack the paint And to me, what the most impressive thing to do was to watch them evolve. And Zion Williams said, "Okay, I'm going to step out here and hit a three-point shot. So to me, what's going to be interesting to watch with Zion is when guys invariably, they'll find ways to stop certain things he likes to do, um, maybe around the rim, maybe outside, to see what the next evolution of his game is. And and to me, that's going to be what separates him is he has that ability to change his game like you see with so many of the elite players.
1: To, to go in a different direction. When you look at a guy like a DeAndre Hunter, who also could be, you know, obviously a top seven pick. And depending on how this goes, the Pelicans may be in a position to draft him as well. Um, there's a lot of uh range of opinions on DeAndre Hunter's game. Again, you got to see him up close. Uh, do you think he can be uh in an, a real NBA small forward? Is he or is he more of the sixth-man, you know, guy? Who, is there is there a ceiling to his skill level? like a high floor, but a low ceiling. Uh, how do you, how do you see him?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a pro in the times that I've seen him and, and he, I mean, I don't think you need to think anything more about him than looking at what he did for Virginia. He gets hurt two years ago and they bow out in the first round, the first over top seed to lose to a 16 the next year he's with them. They win a national championship. I mean, you can talk about, you know, Kyle guy and Ty Jerome, that was the Andre Hunter um he is a legit pro out there he can score from multiple places on the floor uh, i i i think people are, are miscasting him if they don't see him as a true nba style player he he changed in the times that i saw virginia from the team that was a really good solid uh defensive team and and a team that could score with a little bit of shooting around the perimeter to a guy that could go in and mix it up around the basket and, and elevate them to a team that could eventually go on and win a national championship. he He's really, really good.
1: David, I just want to thank you so much for your time. This has been really um, good conversation, and I think our fans will appreciate everything you said. Um, do you have a social media handle where folks can follow you and, and get news about Duke basketball or just what you're up to?
2: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, always follow our school accounts um, on Instagram and Twitter, DukeMBB. Uh, my personal account is uh, Duke PVP, Duke play-by-play. So um, feel free to check us out there. We've got a good crop coming in this year. Um, and who knows? Pelicans might be in the mix for some of them next year. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of fun and, and hate to see Zion go. But um, it's going to be fun to, to watch him as he goes to the next level.
1: And I will say this. I agree with you. I think Grant Hill is the best player to ever come out of Duke. I just wish we hadn't he hadn't gotten injured so we could have really seen how great he could be. But he was he was amazing. So I agree with you on that one. Thank you again so much for your time, Dave. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, man.
0: Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stager situations. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why?
1: Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash